Dear listener, Sai Ram and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on Ramakatarasa Vahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 4th June 2015. Have a listen please. Offering a most humble pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, we welcome you to this week's episode of Afternoon Satsang, Ramayana. So now it is time to get back to that story that Ramakatha Raswaini has so beautifully given to us by our beloved Bhagwan. But as always, let us begin by ruminating over the sweet and nectarous name of Lord Rama. Shri Rama Rama Rame Ki Rame Rame Manorame Sahasra Nama Tattuyam Rama Nama Varanane Saram, dear listeners, we begin by offering our most humble pranams at the lotus feet of our beloved Swami and also offering our salutations to Lord Hanuman who is ever present wherever and whenever the story of his Lord, Lord Sri Rama is sung. The last fortnight, we had seen how the trio, Lord Sri Rama, Lakshmana and Sita leave Chitrakuta and reach the hermitage of the great sage Atri. Then we discuss the happenings at the hermitage of Sejatri, after which they move on to different other hermitages because of their vow that they will not spend more than one night at a single place. That is how they go through the jungle where there are both the ferocious beasts as well as the melodious birds. We also saw the episode where Lord Rama slays the demon Viradha who is redeemed from his curse after that. And then... We saw the beautiful episode of the redemption of Sage Sarabhanga, his devotion and his love for Rama and how the beautiful form of the Lord is liberation conferring in itself. That was where we had stopped last week and we begin this from that very spot from the hermitage of Sage Sarabhanga. The episode of Sarabhanga's immolation in the presence of Lord Rama in order to reach his lotus feet spreads like wildfire and there are many who come to pay their humble salutations to the revered sage as well as to Lord Sri Rama and one among them, I think we had mentioned his name is a sage named Sutikshna 
Sutikshna is a pupil of the renowned sage Agastya and he has come to invite Lord Shri Rama with his brother and wife to the ashram of sage Agastya. Right, you know, I was uh, wondering even as I was reading this episode, hmm? I mean, when we talk of the Ramayana and we talk of the great devotees mentioned in the Ramayana, of course, the most common ones would be, you would have the mention of Hanuman, of course, you would have the mention of Jatayu, or you would have Vibhishana, you would have the redemption of Ahalya, you redemption of Shabari. But I really wanted to find out if the other Ramayanas give so much importance to this character of Sutikshana, at least I have never heard of it till I came <laughs> to this part where we read about him. But the way Swami describes his devotion is truly phenomenal. You know, I think the feeling that he portrays is as much as what Mother Shabari would have portrayed towards Rama because you know he is in a moment where he is muted by emotion. He is not able to say, he is not able to express himself. Swami says that he is dancing about in joy. He is really somebody who has lost his balance. And he's saying that there's nothing more I want. I've seen you. And Swami also mentions that he's a person who has been contemplating on this form even before he actually has the darshan of Lord Rama. He says he has been worshipping this form as that of divinity even before he had the darshan. You know, this was precisely the point that I found very interesting also. See, if today we hear of cases of people who came to Swami and they say, even before I came and had Swami's darshan, I had seen him and you know, I had felt an attraction towards him. I had felt some kind of devotion towards him. It's understandable because most probably they might have seen a photograph. They might have seen a book. Right. That is in the 80s and 70s. But later on in the 90s and 2000, yes, the internet was there and very easy for information to travel. Now when we imagine the Treta Yuga, when I I don't think uh, the P of photography was also discovered. And uh, you wonder how somebody living nearly a thousand kilometers away from the capital city of Ayodhya. See, in those days, you just get the information that so-and-so has become king, so-and-so is crown prince. I don't know whether you get to know how he looks, how your ruler looks, because unless a painting is made and sent, you know, a painting also, it's not like a painter can sit in a different place and make it. Usually, painters can see a photograph and paint. In those days, you have to have the live model itself because unless you are from Ayodhya, there is no way you know how Lord Rama looks. So, you make the painting and then you have to transport the painting all the way and these are people, Sutikshna is living in Agastya Ashram in the middle of a thick forest. So, it makes, you know, one wonder if we think into the little details. Often we hear the Ramayana as a story and just go ahead. But the beauty of Swami's Ramkatha Rasamani, these little details crop up which makes you think, how is it possible that Sutikshna would have had devotion and love for the form of Rama. Swami writes it in no less terms. He writes it clearly that he gazed upon Rama without winking an eyelid. His heart melted into adoration for Rama. Before that, Swami mentions, he had steady faith that God can be won by love alone and all his love, his heart, his mind was saturated, was for Rama. So, it's not even some other form of the Lord. It was for this form of Rama. It makes you wonder, you know, how did he know this form of Rama? Knowing that he is God is one thing, but how does he know this form when he has not seen a painting, when he has never met him before? This is the first time he is meeting. That in itself shows us the wonder and glory of God. To know God's glory, to know the wonder of the Lord, one need not actually have technology or anything. We need nothing but a pure heart and a heart saturated with love in order to get to know God, in order to experience God, in order to see God. 
and the description and the introduction to sutikshna that swami gives in his ramkatha rasavahini makes it very very clear makes it very very clear and also inspires a diversion at this point mm-hmm. because i'm reminded you know when we had a conversation with the the renowned blues singer dana gillespie she was part of a group of devotees who would go out to some of these war torn countries and they would try to bring medical relief and try to give some kind of brotherly love and care to those people who are going through all their difficult times so she as a singer accompanied this group and she was not uh, you know professionally equipped to help in any other means as a medical professional or anything so she would be part of music programs in the evening just to entertain those people and just have them distracted from their problems so this group had decided that nowhere they will mention swami's name because many of the countries they were traveling to were hardcore communist or muslim countries so you mean these are these countries uh, which split the, up after these stands you know what's the kazakhstan in this particular country they had went to was uzbekistan a, a city called samarkand i think hmm. so they had decided that they'll never take swami's name unless asked if somebody specifically comes and asks who are you representing then they will talk about swami but never anywhere there was a mention of swami's name or a picture of swami because they said we are just reaching out swami's love and let us not create a situation where people repel themselves from it so let's just be there as good people and after all we are sharing swami's love so i think in this particular city called samarkand after they had done their medical camp and all that one particular elderly muslim woman walked up to her and the other people there and they said no you tell us where are you coming from who has sent you here you know we are so moved by the help that you rendered to us but who has sent you here who is the one who has sent you here so as they had desired that if asked they'll show they pulled out a picture of swami like we all have in our pockets a pocket calendar and they gave it to that lady and she said he's the person who sent us and uh, they thought that they're going to surprise that lady but they were the ones who were surprised because that lady looked at that picture and immediately broke down and she said we know this person he is god he is god how did she know that how did they ever know i mean they didn't know because but they all knew that this was god who came to them many many times before even this group of devotees reached them and she said we know this is god he has come to us many times before and even as this talk was going on between them they were looking at each other and they were surprised a little teenager a boy of 12 or 13 comes by that side and he looks mm. at that picture and he says hey this man he was in the soccer field yesterday playing football with us mm. <laughs> and you know when you read what swami says about sutikshna already knowing the moment he sees rama he realizes that he is god who has come it's happening even today when we think the world is well connected but the world is much more well connected than we can even imagine really it is because there's so many i remember one of our lecturers were telling that he went to this holy city of varanasi in there he met a yogi a very very elderly man i think he must be in his 80s and 90s never looked like that though but he was a person who is known to have lived in that city for many many years he narrated an incident where he had a darshan of swami in his shrine in the early 1940s maybe even before swami declared his avatarhood oh he had a darshan of swami in swami's form as we see it today oh so <laughs> it's really not a surprise that is going beyond space beyond time absolutely wow so well then as swami would often say that it's not important that you surf the internet you have to surf the internet and i guess surfing the internet has been happening since times immemorial the internet might be a fairly recent phenomenon but the internet has existed ever since existence has come into existence True. so it becomes very clear that sage sutikshna was surfing the internet and when he sees ramam you know words just flow out till now he has been adoring 
the formless absolute but seeing rama he says having come upon this earth with this visible form oh rama do you wish that i still adore the formless absolute no no i love this form i love this name i don't know any other ritual i don't know anything else the only earning that i have is the yearning that i have it's so beautiful because <laughs> swami also says beautiful. that if you need me you deserve me the only thing that we need to have to deserve god is the need for god that's all and that is exactly what sudikshna is saying my only earning is my yearning and words are just coming out and he is in a divine intoxication he has no idea of exactly what he is speaking but he is speaking of his absolute dependence on rama and the absolute glory of rama and as he goes on speaking thus swami says your bliss is my food and when the devotee is so blissful we can be assured that the lord is also feeling very fulfilled rama too does not speak anything the first thing that he does is he gives sutikshna a very warm embrace and in that embrace swami writes sutikshna experiences samadhi at this point i when i read this i got reminded of an episode narrated by a former lecturer of swami's college year his name is kishore kishore sir i'm sure many people would have met him here and there he appears like an avalia saint on the road <laughs> always exuberant speaking sometimes mysterious things but an amazing person to interact with and hear experiences from he had become a student of swami's college our college here in 1978 you know the amazing thing is it's very very historical because he is probably the only mba student who became a student after his marriage right his wife was doing the bed course while he did the mba course and it was a glorious exception that swami made i say glorious because his experiences are such and one of his experiences i got reminded when i read this was when he was a student he says he was seated during darshan it was in the second year mba so must be 1988 and d- during the darshan as swami came near him he was folding his hands and sitting there and he says that with his right little finger swami mm-hmm. just gently touched his folded palms and the moment swami touched he said something drastic and beautiful happened within he said suddenly the mind got silenced he closed his eyes and he says he reached a thoughtless state his body automatically became straight and stiff and he was in a padmasan pose he was mm-hmm. sitting there and he said those few moments felt so blissful i had not a care in life not a fear nothing and i did not feel the need to open my eyes and see swami who was standing near me i didn't feel anything at all I just close my eyes and for few moments drank inexplicable ecstasy and then he says he felt another pat on his back so he opened his eyes swami was still there and swami asked him how did that feel he said swami it felt so wonderful and then swami told him that's only a small thing i will give you a bigger experience mm-hmm. that bigger experience is part of some other story maybe we can narrate it some other time okay. but you know the amazing thing prem kishor sir said that after swami said this he turned and started walking back into the interview room see when swami had touched his palm with his little finger you know where the student sit that is the portion swami comes to towards the end of his darshan round okay so he had seen about 10 15 people who had been called for an interview he said when i opened my eyes there was nobody mm-hmm. the darshan music had stopped and everybody was looking at him and he, the whole place seemed to have become dark he was thinking what happened and he said swami walked into the interview room because swami was staying in that building mm-hmm. then 
and that's it swami retired everybody got up and left he saying it took him a while to realize that when swami touched him he closed his eyes he has been in that state for 2 hours and the people around him told him that bhagwan completed the interviews completed the bhajan received aarti and after aarti instead of going straight back in just walked out patted kishore and this interaction took place and then swami has gone in <laughs> and as far as he was concerned he just felt it was a few delightful moments of absolute ecstasy joy and contentment and peace and silence but you know einstein's relativity of time or when they say time passes very quickly when you are enjoying yourself and what to say when you are in the deepest ecstasy and bliss so with a mere touch the lord has the ability to confer that greatest bliss maybe i'll just continue one statement that kishor sir made he said that but this is not the ultimate that swami can give we have no idea we are just taking a few gold coins from a millionaire and thinking that we have looted him <laughs> you have no idea of swami's riches and we have come nowhere near looting it we have to loot him we have to loot him and we can loot him only when we become the chitta chora the thief that he is that is you know attaining oneness with him so this kind of an experience of samadhi is an easy thing that the lord can confer so you know when we read about how rama just embraced and sutikshna went into that the lord can grant that by just the touch of his little finger definitely sutikshna would have enjoyed that samadhi and bliss when rama embraced him very true you know just reminded of conversation i had with a person and you could call him a self professed sadhaka mm-hmm. and he was trying to kind of uh, argue against swami and swami's devotees and he was saying that you know see all this is fine how can you claim that swami is a spiritual guru and people who come to him are spiritual aspirants because after all all that swami gives us only rings chains and watches when I mean, all that which you could term as worldly you know a spiritual master should give a spiritual experience you know you always only listen about swami giving all these worldly things and swami giving prasadam in, in the form of apples fruits and in the form of safari clothes and all that but we never hear of swami giving spiritual experiences but the thing is it's in plenty and the thing is it's not been talked about i think sometime a couple of months back we played interviews with uh, raja reddy you know mm. the very very eminent old devotee of swami he mentions one such incident when there were about three or four people in swami's room and uh, swami is having a discussion they were asking questions and swami is answering about some of the yogic practices kundalini yoga and such of those and then uh, while swami is talking to them swami had picked up a small piece of paper with which swami used to fold vibhuti and give mm. and as swami was talking to them swami was like rolling it between his palms and making a small roll of paper with that but even as swami was talking then they looked at swami's hand and they found that the roll of paper had actually transformed into something like an ivory pencil okay okay it was no more a roll of paper it had become something like a pencil then swami called each one of those people over there three or four of them and swami whispered a mantra in, into their ear and wrote something on their tongue swami asked them to put out their tongue and swami wrote something on the tongue and he said this happened a good 30 40 years ago but even today if i can close my eyes and chant that mantra three times i will be lost in bliss wow. nothing that happens around affects me he said it was just given like like swami gives a watch which you could watch you know use it for 30 years it was given a mantra he said even now in the busiest roads of a city i can sit if i can close my eyes and chant this three times i'm in the realm of bliss and so it's completely understandable when swami says that with one embrace 
and that too, these were i think people were prepared for an experience such as that if you look at somebody like sutikshana who's cut away from worldly life living in the servitude of his master agastya we're going to come to him he was kind of mentally prepared to receive an experience such as this you know that yearning had prepared him as he said the earning only earning which he had was that yearning and really a beautiful culmination to that episode if, if we to seek this i think seeing the description of sutikshana's devotion it becomes clear what is it that we also must do our only earning must be yearning for him but you know i feel like our yearning is like a motor an engine with a given capacity on one hand we can try to increase the capacity of this engine say if it's a 1000 horsepower engine i can make it a 2000 horsepower engine but the other thing that i can do is with a single engine i am i am yearning for so many things in life okay it's like in 1000 horsepower 3 horsepower is towards food 10 horsepower is towards some game or whatever you know different things if i can divert all the energy of my engine towards only this that is another way we can you know our engine capacity boosting we possibly don't know how to do but definitely we know how we can cut away other yearnings and inculcate yearning only for this so that we start seeking that seeking which we will never have to seek again sutikshna's life inspires us to ensure that we make our yearning for swami as our predominant yearning at least if not our only yearning and that is when you know rama after embracing sutikshna asks him he says sutikshna you are endowed with all the desirable virtues ask from me anything that you wish for and i shall bless you as you desire now at this point let us just pause and think if swami were to ask us this what we will ask from swami you know in in darshan when we used to sit depending on which darshan we are in i mean whether it's the darshan of 1998 or darshan of 2003 depending on our own life situation our careers our relationships we would have had different prayers as a student i might have prayed that i get good marks then i might have prayed that i get a good job then i might have prayed for the success of my wedding you know these are the only thing that we have kept asking swami so even today if swami asks me what is it that you want maybe i will ask something related to my relationship my position my stage in life but that is not the ultimate it will be wasting it away that is probably one of the reasons maybe the most important reason why swami doesn't ask us what we want because his love for us is so great he doesn't want us to waste that boon in asking for something trivial it's only when we are absolutely prepared swami asks what is it that you want and grants grants it what we ask because one thing is him asking second thing is when we ask of him what we want we too must be prepared to receive it just imagine now rama has given this darshan and and he asks sutikshna what is it that you want sutikshna just says oh rama you are my friend my kinsman you are everything i have only one desire with mother sita and lakshmana reside forever in my heart oh rama i want nothing else just reside in my heart you know this is something that sometimes we tell in a theoretical manner to swami 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 as what do you want swami i want you but then okay now that that is out of the way listen swami i have some problems here my mother's health is failing my fa- you know it's more like a theoretically when we say swami we want you here was genuine prayer and so sutikshna was the wise man who realized that once you get the lord you get everything because everything has come from the lord and instead of saying i want everything he just said rama just be in my heart forever that is the only prayer that i make and rama was so thrilled 
once I, I remember I think you were there when this happened in Tri Vrindavan once one of the first time the students went up to Swami and gave a letter to Swami hmm. and it was very very beautifully written obviously under the able guidance of his father I guess <laughs> because he had written so beautifully saying that Swami I want only you let me always be at your feet let me serve you and all the rhetoric which is supposed to go into a well written letter to Swami and uh, Swami was very right, happy Swami was very happy Swami <laughs> was reading it out in fact Swami was taking that opportunity to sh- tell all these students see look at this boy how pure he is you know he's asking the right prayers and Swami was very happy went through the letter two times made the warden read it and all that and this boy was standing there and he was accepting all the praise with Swami was a little boy you know there's no selfishness or anything which you could relate to in elderly children but this boy was like simply sitting there and you know he has given a letter Swami is praising him then Swami called him, patted him and said, Boy, what do you want? And spontaneously that boy said, Swami, I've been having cold for the past one week. Please give me something. <laughs> <laughs> give me some prasadam so my cold goes. That's what one thing is, you know technically the right prayer to make. But when that moment comes, because when you are asked that question, what do you want? I think two things, two emotions play most important part. One thing is if there is any fear predominantly, you mm-hmm. would ask something which would allay that fear. The other thing is what you're attracted to most. What is it which you love most? Because I remember, I think our, uh, our lecturer Ravik Master talks about that incident when one of his university exams he had done very badly in the maths examination. Mm-hmm. And one day when Swami came up to him and Swami asked, what do you want? The first thing he said was, Swami, I want to pass in my maths exam. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he said anybody else would have been more wise than me. But that was the thing which is predominant in my mind because I had to face Swami if I fail in that exam. You know, though it was out of love, mm-hmm. this was the predominant thing. He said, Swami, I have written so badly. And he says that after the exam, he discusses it with his teacher. And this teacher says that at best, you're going to get 35 marks. You know, that's all you've answered for. But he prays to Swami and Swami says, yeah, that's fine. You ask for something else. He said, no, Swami, I have no other desires. I only <laughs> want to pass in my maths exam. And, uh, you know, later he says that he gets 53. And Swami comes and tells him, 35, I made 53. And of course, the extension of the story, the completion is, he says that Swami ensured that he took maths in his next year. Because Swami said, you have to face your fear. And by the time he completed his schooling, he got his best marks in maths. But that is one thing, you know, when fear is the most uh, prominent thing in your mind, when asked a question like this, you would try to, you know, do something to put that fear down. I remember one of my seniors in Kodekanal said this, when Swami asked him, what do you want? First thing he said was, Swami, give me a boon that I never forget you ever. Mm. This definitely would have been a fear, a mixture of devotion and fear, because you probably would have seen others who kind of lose their way or, you know, priorities change in life. So he said, Swami, wherever I am, whatever I am doing, please give me the blessing that I never forget you even for a moment. Maybe that's a clue that how much can you sublimate your fear? How much can you purify your love? And that is the only preparation for that moment when Swami comes and asks, what do you want? Exactly. That is what we can do from our side as preparation for that moment. And the rest is Swami's grace, which he confers based on, you know, possibly one of the different parameters based on which he confers grace is based on our efforts. How much efforts? Because he says, you take one step towards me, I'll take a hundred. He may take a two hundred maybe. The ratio, I don't know. One is two hundred or one is two hundred, one is a thousand. But the one step has to be there because when you apply a multiplier factor to zero, it still becomes zero. Even if Lord says that whatever effort you put a million fold, I'll give you. If effort is zero. A million fold zero is still a zero. So, you know, when you were speaking about that fear, I was reminded of my own fear. You know, Mm -hmm. I always uh, 
even as a child i always wanted to get into swami's school once i got to know about swami and once i began to feel that he is god i felt this is the greatest opportunity i must get and i had got this opportunity to deliver a speech in his presence during onam in 1997 i was a student of school in kerala called trishailam swami school so that is the time i thought you know everyone had told me you'll get a chance before your speech to go to swami and take namaskar and after your speech to go to swami again i was i think 15 year old a 10th grade student and they said that this is the opportunity to ask ask swami for a seat tell swami that swami i want to be your student i want admission in 11th standard so this had been drilled in me every time and uh, that was what i wanted to ask i definitely felt that the best thing that could happen possibly for me in life was to get admission in 11th standard and i still remember that day actually i had got a chance to speak in my 8th grade also mm-hmm. but due to some circumstances it had got cancelled so in my 10th grade finally when that moment came you know i had literally felt that with god unless you get it in your hand you have not got it <laughs> you might be selected you might be sitting on the dais and yet not speak so till you get it you don't get it so finally when my name was announced and i walked up to the podium i knew wow this is happening my speech may get cancelled but at least my namaskar is certain now <laughs> so i went to swami i bowed down and you know i don't know what happened at that moment that was the first time in my life i was seeing him so close and that presence was so overwhelming i had rehearsed that moment so many times that how i'll say swami please give me admission in your school i don't know what happened in that moment and i'm really grateful to swami for that because instead of saying that i just told swami whatever happens keep me with you forever and swami patted on my back and said yes yes go and speak after the speech actually i came back feeling very sad i told my mother you know i messed it up she asked what happened i said i got the greatest opportunity and you know what i didn't ask swami for admission she said then what did you speak i said i told him to keep me with you forever then my mother said don't feel bad you know it is a very good thing that swami's love is so great that in spite of all the wrong advice and misguidance that we all have given you he ensured that you have asked for the right thing and today when i look back at it i really feel so grateful to swami and i feel thank you swami for ensuring not only have you you know stopped me from asking for a foolish thing your love is such that you made me ask for the right thing at that right moment and once i have asked that prem automatically you know i got my admission not only in school into the college also and today i'm so grateful to swami that i'm getting a chance to work for him at radio sai that is what actually happened to sutikshna you know sutikshna had come in order to invite rama to the hermitage of agastya his guru and in that moment he just said rama i want nothing you just reside in my heart you know at that moment you look like hey sutikshna don't forget <laughs> your duty towards your guru but when it comes to god everything else is forgotten it's only between him and god and once that is taken care everything else falls in place also because without him even asking rama actually tells sutikshna that let us proceed towards the hermitage of sage agastya and just you know while reading that i just felt yes swami i never asked for admission in 11th standard but i have asked for you and with that everything else that i need in order to ensure that i am with you has come automatically in my life including a seat in 11th grade so it really takes yearning on one side and god's grace and love on the other both negative positive to come together to ensure that when that beautiful moment comes we are able to ask for the right thing and sutikshna thus gets the blessing of samadhi and a promise from rama that he'll stay in his heart but also the other thing the lesser desire if we can call so gets fulfilled because rama along with sutikshna proceeds towards sage agastya's ashram 
and Sutikshna is overjoyed. He runs, runs to Sage Agastya, his guru, and says, Oh, oh Gurudev, that supreme lord, the Yugavatar, you know, he speaks of Rama in glorious terms. He is coming to visit and that is how he announces the arrival of the trio at Agastya Ashram. Right, and then happens the momentous meeting between Rama and Agastya, but before that, we'll just take a short break. Dear listeners, don't go away because this is again another important character in not only Ramayana, but you would see it in almost all scriptures of uh, Sanatan Dharma. The sage Agastya, you will see is mentioned in the Mahabharata, in the Ramayana, even before the Ramayana. In fact, a lot of people in India believe that he is one more person who has still not discarded his form. He is supposed to be right, living and uh, he is also supposed to be the head of the Siddha form of medication. Like you know, you have Sid, like huh. Ayurveda, you have the Yunani Ayurveda the Siddha. Siddha. Hmm. He is supposed to be the one who has brought the knowledge and spread the knowledge. Indeed, a very very great sage. But before we come to him and his interaction with Lord Rama, we'll take a short break. On the other side of it, we'll resume the story. Oh, my God. 
welcome back dear listeners we are in the point where uh, sutikshana is leading rama to see jagastya and uh, coming back to this character of agastya we were saying that he is one of the very well known characters in fact he has a lot of relevance to the ramayana itself because in a sense agastya is the uncle of ravana <laughs> oh, okay because uh, he is one of the saptarishis of course he is known for that and he is always described as the short saint you know he is that one who is supposed to be like a child he doesn't grow too tall 4 feet 5 feet that's how he is always depicted mm-hmm. he is the son of the sage pulastya who is again a saptarishi and pulastya is actually the father of vishravas who is the father of ravana and the other brothers oh, okay so vishravas and agastya are brothers and it is vishravas who marries two wives he has two wives one is of course kekashi who is the mother of ravana kumbhakarna shurpanaka and vibhishana and the other wife is ilavida and she is the mother of kubera oh okay so ravana and kubera are cousins right because hmm. kubera is actually the lankeshwara kubera is the one who is bestowed with lot of riches and he is actually the king of lanka and it is by overthrowing him ravana takes over lanka Hmm. and after he is overthrown kubera goes and becomes the head of the treasury department in the heaven <laughs> that's how he gets that status he gets the uh, to be the treasurer of the devatas hmm. so that's how they're all connected in, in fact you know so in that means agastya is actually the uncle of ravana also all these uh, nadis that we see i believe that the original it started off with the agastya nadi itself you know though there right. are so many nadis the foremost and first when i was i was just reading about the nadis on the wikipedia page there they mentioned that it all originated first from agastya so in that sense if we see he is the person who has seen the lifetimes of every being that is going to come on earth henceforth which mm-hmm. is an amazing thing right interestingly you know we came across a few other characters in the ramayana tataki and mm-hmm. i think subahu maricha not it come uh, subahu and maricha no i think they, they come yes, in the yes. same tataki episode after right after that uh, in that uh, yagna they go right. to protect along with vishwamitra mm. and if you actually look at tataki is the mother of kekasi who is the mother Oh-ho. of ravana oh okay so tataki is the wife of uh, right so actually subahu and maricha are actually uncles of ravana hmm so it all is in the family <laughs> you know i mean it was a quite a revelation for me because we often think that in you know, the degradation of dharma from the various yugas mm. it is said that when it comes to the mahabharata is only when you find both good and evil in the same family but actually it's already there in the ramayana where agastya and ravana seem to be coming from the same family line i'm sure i think that time it was never the caste system was not dependent on birth at all it was more like what you choose to be is what you are Because, right in the same family you have somebody like vibhishana you have somebody like ravana on the other hand you have somebody like agastya too coming from the same family line of course the other mention of agastya we should not forget a thing which very often we hear from sami's discourses there is a very interesting episode actually once when the devas and the asuras are having a fight mm-hmm. the devas are pursuing the demons and the demons go and hide in the ocean bed So then they all come to Agastya and they say they ask him where are the asuras we would like to finish this war. So that's when he says they are in the bottom of the ocean. So to reveal them he actually drinks the entire ocean. <laughs> the sage was supposed to be about 5 feet tall. He drinks the entire ocean in one gulp and that's when they are revealed. So it is mentioning this that Swami tells one beautiful chinakatha. Ah okay. And maybe we'll listen to it in Swami's own voice. 
because it's a very very beautiful thing we spoke about sutikshana we're going to talk about this interaction with agastya it's a very interesting thing which swami says with relation to this chinnakatha i think it's though it is a diversion it's not a diversion too okara samana mi pillalandarki telisina baga boys students will be knowing narudu vendha narudha went to a place vishnu dagariki velli he went to vishnu narayana narayana lokamu lopala in this world ee panchabhutamulu edi goppadiga kanipistundadi meeku among the five elements which is the greatest vishnu navukuntu narada neeve cheppu annadu vishnu smiled and said narada you tell me bhoomi chaala goppadi swami annadu earth is great narada said aa bhoomi chaala goppade earth is great aithe bhoomi anta moodu bhagamulu neeru mingesesinde but water engulfs three fourths of the earth neeru goppada bhoomi goppada is it water great or the earth great అవును నీరే గొప్పది అన్నాడు వాటర్ ఇస్ గ్రేటర్ దెన్ ది గొప్పదైనటువంటి నీరు ఆగస్టుని ఒక్క గుటికలో మింగేసినాడు కదా ఈవెన్ ది సేజ్ ఆగస్టియ్ హి డ్రాంక్ దిస్ ఆల్ దిస్ వాటర్ కాబట్టి ఆగస్టుని గొప్పవాడా ఈ ఒక సముద్రం గొప్పదా అన్నాడు ఆగస్టియ్ గ్రేటర్ ఆర్ ది ఓషన్ గ్రేటర్ ఆగస్టుని గొప్పవాడా నాయనా నారదా అన్నాడు విష్ణు సేడ్ ఆగస్టియ్ ఇస్ గ్రేటర్ దెన్ ది ఓషన్ మరి గొప్ప ఆగస్టుడు అనేటువంటి వాడు పెద్ద ఆకాశంలో చిన్న చక్రంపోమంగా ఉన్నాడే ఆగస్టియ్ ఇస్ ఎ స్మాల్ స్టార్ ఇన్ ఎ వాస్ట్ స్కై అప్పుడు ఆకాశం గొప్పదా ఆగస్టుడి గొప్పవాడా స్కై గ్రేటర్ ఆర్ ది అగస్య గ్రేటర్ ఆకాశమే గొప్ప స్వామి నారదా సెడ్ స్కై ఇస్ గ్రేటర్ లార్డ్ అయితే ఇంత ఆకాశం లోపల ఇన్ ది స్కై వామనుడు చక్రవర్తికి మూడు అడుగులు దానమండడానికి పోయినప్పుడు మూడు అడుగుల లోపల ఒక్క అడుగు భూమిని పెట్టాడు ఇంకొక అడుగు తలపైన పెట్టాడు ఇంకొక అడుగు స్థలమే లేకపోయింది వామన వెన్ యు వెంట్ టు కింగ్ బలి అండ్ రిక్వెస్టెడ్ హిమ్ for arms of four footsteps one foot measured the whole earth the second the whole sky the third place there was no place kabatti ipudu ikkada chuste bhagavantudu goppavada bhaktudu goppavada is god greater or the devotee greater appudu cheppadu narada then narada said narayana narayana bhaktudiki minchinatundi bhagavantudu marakoledu devotee is the greatest bhakta paradhinudu bhagavantudu god obeys the devotee భక్తుడికి నీ భగవంతుడు కూడా సేవకుడవుతాడు గాడ్ బికమ్స్ ది సర్వెంట్ ఆఫ్ ది డివోటీ కాబట్టి భగవంతుడి కంటే భక్తుడే గొప్పవాడు ఉన్నాడు దేర్ ఫర్ డివోటీ ఇస్ గ్రేటర్ దెన్ గాడ్ అప్పుడు చాలా ఆనందించాడు దెన్ విష్ణు వాస్ వెరీ హ్యాపీ కాబట్టి లోకం లోపల భక్తుడికి మించినటువంటి వారు వరకు లేరు నోబడి గ్రేటర్ దెన్ ఎ డివోటీ ఇన్ ది వరల్డ్ ఈ భక్తి అనేటువంటిది కేవలం ఒక్క హృదయపూర్వకంగా భగవత్ నామస్మరణ చేస్తే చాలు విత్ డివోషన్ ఇన్ ద హార్ట్ వి హావ్ టు చేంజ్ ది నేమ్ ఆఫ్ గాడ్ ఓ భగవంతుడాని ఒక్క తూర్ని హృదయపూర్వకంగా ప్రేమించు యు లవ్ గాడ్ విత్ ఆల్ యువర్ హార్ట్ ఆ ప్రేమ చేతనే తాను కరిగిపోతుంటాడు విత్ దాట్ లవ్ గాడ్ మెల్స్ కనుక భగవంతుని మనం కరిగించుకోవాలంటే ఏం చేయాలి వి వాంట్ టు మెల్ట్ ది హార్ట్ ఆఫ్ గాడ్ వాట్ ఇస్ దట్ యు హావ్ గాట్ టు డూ ప్రేమ చేతనే కరిగిపోతాడు విత్ లవ్ గాడ్ మెల్స్ దానికంటే మించినటువంటిది మరొకటి లేదు నథింగ్ హయర్ దెన్ లవ్ కనుక ప్రేమను మీరు పెంచుకోండి డెవలప్ లవ్ ఎలాంటి ప్రేమ వాట్ టైప్ ఆఫ్ లవ్ పరిపూర్ణ ప్రేమను ఇట్ షుడ్ బి పర్ఫెక్ట్ లవ్ and the greatest is love <laughs> i remember there's a title of a book like that and mm. that's what it becomes evident when we hear swami love is the most supreme most potent force in the entire universe and it is god's greatest weakness and our greatest strength therefore to love god sutikshna is one over rama with his love and now as rama steps into agastya's hermitage agastya comes rushing to him and he is also filled with great joy he says lord there is nobody who is more blessed than me because narayana himself has come to me he has come to my hermitage 
i am unable to believe that this is happening you know i want to pinch myself often this would be our experience when swami calls for an interview or swami speaks or swami materializes vibhuti and puts in the hand you just want to pinch yourself to believe that this has certainly happened you know because it feels like a dream the joy that comes i think we we've heard it from general mahadevan when he would narrate you know he had a bypass surgery a really beautiful episode you know he has a bypass surgery he is in his home in chennai mm-hmm. and uh, he is sitting on the veranda and reading his newspaper and drinking his coffee and suddenly a car comes outside his gate and starts honking and he just gets up and he peeps out of his veranda and he sees swami standing at the gate and waving oh my god uh-huh. <laughs> swami is driven all the way from bangalore or puttaparthi wherever he is just to come and pay him a visit because he just had this bypass surgery and you can imagine you know you're in your night clothes you're just having, having your morning coffee with your newspaper and he sees swami standing at the gate and waving at him and that's when you know he throws everything and starts running swami says no no don't run you just had a surgery throw the key i'll open and come in myself really somebody like agastya i mean it's it's really would have been a bounty blessing coming their way well a beautiful episode <laughs> there so when agastya you know he says lord how can i how can i serve you what can i do o king of kings rama replies to him you know it's beautiful it's like a, a battle of humility going on over here it feels because agastya is offering himself completely to rama rama on the other hand is now offering himself completely to agastya he says oh agastya oh monarch among monks you are no ordinary one see i have nothing to hide from you you know everything there used to be this uh, a question called reference to context in our school days right where they'll give a statement and say reference to context you basically have to write who said that who to said whom that to whom and what context what context and yeah so there were some famous glorious sentences would be there now imagine you take this sentence oh monarch i have nothing to hide from you you know very well the reason why i am here who said this to whom i mean did, did agastya <laughs> say this to rama or rama says this to agastya because this is rama saying it to agastya you know that is the beauty you can see that oneness that is attained between the lord who has descended and the devotee who has ascended they become one it is so beautiful and uh, that is why you know unless you see the rama said or agastya said while reading the ramkatha rasavahini you can't actually make out who said because as i said this is like a battle of humility going on and humility is oozing out and glorification of the other is happening in, to such an extent that you don't know whether it is the devotee praising the lord or the lord praising the devotee <laughs> i think subtly swami sends this message that actually there is no difference that is why it is like that there is no difference between the descent and the ascent whether it is the ascent of the devotee to the lord or the descent of the lord to the devotee it becomes one and that is why he used to address us also as embodiments of love because he used to see us as part of himself anyway so rama says oh agastya i you know why i have come here i have come here to destroy the demons dushta shikshana and to protect the virtue shishta rakshana so please guide me on what i should do how i should proceed further in order to fulfill this goal of mine the beauty of this whole thing is if you read about sages like agastya we come across sages like bharadwaja and in even vishwamitra and you know you always have these stories in the puranas where they go up to kailasha and they make a prayer to shiva they go up to vishnu loka and make a prayer vaikuntha they have the ability to reach out to the lords themselves and even agastya you would see so many stories where he gets boons from mother parvati and lord shiva they come down and give but still the importance and the glory given to an avatar is unparalleled 
you know, when he's meeting with somebody like Rama, who is not even a Purnavatar, technically speaking, he's mm. not even mm. revealed himself completely. But the importance given to an avatar is immense. Importance given to a form the avatar takes. You know, Sutikshana says that, I mean, I've been worshipping this form forever, even before he saw the form. I mentioned about somebody having the vision of Swami even before, probably when Swami was a teenager and had not taken that form in mm. his avataric mission. So a form that avatar takes is so important. You know, all said and done, we talk of God as being formless. These are all sages. And when we talk of sages in the context of, of the Upanishad, you're talking about people who are dwelling in the infinite aspect of divinity. But even such sages, when they're coming in contact with an avatar, are giving all the glory which is due to an avatar. I think it's a very important message. At no point should we, you know, condemn the worship of a form I mean, as Swami's devotees, as devotees as such, condemn the worship of a form because it definitely has a value which we cannot probably logically explain. When we say that God is formless, when we say that God is attributeless, we cannot in the same breath explain why we are worshipping a form, why we are giving so much importance. But definitely there is an importance to a form which probably we can never explain ourselves. Definitely. And so enamoring, so beautiful, so magnificent is the form that Agastya falls at the feet of Rama and as Rama raises him, he replies, he says, Oh Rama, you are omniscient, you you know everything and yet you ask me, I don't know whether you are conferring a blessing on me or you are testing me. But I shall take this as a blessing. I will take this as a blessing of Darshan, Sparshan and Sambhashan. Because, you know, the Lord's Maya is such that it can confound us, it can fool us, it can blind us. But at the same time, It is that Maya that gives us joy also. I am reminded of a little incident where, you know, the student was asked by Swami, where, what's your name? And he said, Swami, you know. Swami said, where do you come from? He said, Swami, you know. Swami asked him, when are you going home? He said, Swami, you know. Swami said, you fool. I know everything, you know. But you prayed that Swami should speak to you. (laughs) You have prayed that I should speak to you. That's why I am speaking to you. When Swami speaks to us, it is not for information gathering or because He does not know. It is to give us that joy and that experience of interacting with God. And that is possible because of Maya. If not for Maya, you know, if we are in that oneness, then what is the need for dialogue? What is the need for any kind of talking between the devotee and the Lord? It is Maya that gives us the beautiful opportunity of interaction and that is what Agastya is stating here. You know, he is stating it that this is the positive side of Maya. I am benefiting from Maya. I am grateful to Maya that it is giving me this opportunity. You know, that is our mistake. We often look at Maya with very critical eyes and think of it as only a tool that the Lord uses for testing. But Maya is also the tool that the Lord uses to confer great blessings on us. When we get that Padnamaskar, when we get that interview, when we get a dream, when we see a materialization happen, all that is Maya. And it is Maya that is giving us great joy. We forget that and only criticize Maya. I think that's a wrong thing to do. We should be level-headed like Sage Agastya here who says, I don't know whether Lord you are using this Maya as a testing tool or as a blessing tool. But I choose to take it as a blessing tool because I choose to take everything as a blessing in life. And because of that... Agastya then gets the confidence and ability to answer Rama's question. Very true. I think uh, I was just sharing it before the, with you before the satsang. One of our seniors was telling that, you know, they had mm. an interaction with Swami in the interview room when Swami said this. When somebody made a light comment about, you know, Swami's Maya is so impregnable and all that and it's so cruel. So devastating. Right, in that sense. And Swami immediately reprimanded. He said, no, don't say that. 
And Swami said, Maya is like mother. You know, she is somebody who is worthy of worship. Don't talk of her as, you know, an evil or a demonic thing which has to be vanquished. He said, it's worship worthy. She is such a great mother. And this student would tell us, you know, all the bhajans where we say Maya Vinashaka or Maya Nashaka, he wouldn't sing those lines. Because <laughs> he said, Swami said, it's, it's not meant to be looked down upon. It's very true because when you look at it, we've mentioned this before, the very idea of Rama going into the forest seems to be to give joy to all these people. And when we say people, it includes those like, you know, that boatman who ferried Rama across Ganges, mm. who was a simpleton, who was Guha. At the same time, sages like, you know, Bharadwaja and the others, because that beautiful point where Swami writes, where Guha sees the response of sages when they meet Rama. He says, you know, these are people who know it, who, you know, who know the value of what they get. But even though I don't know the value, I was given this opportunity. I think that is the main reason why an avatar comes. So one aspect of the avatar which plays a vital role in that is Maya. And so beautiful, Swami has put such an important message in that. In this small dialogue between Agastya and you know, Rama, where Agastya says, I don't know whether you are using it to give me a blessing or you are using it as a test. Uh, just to clarify over here, because I see this often happening, you know, when we state something. In the sense, I remember narrating an incident in my life where I was discouraged by Swami to go to Nadi to the Nadi reader and uh, many people after that saying started saying that but what the Nadi reader told me worked out so is it wrong see these are not like watertight compartments for instance based on what you narrated somebody might ask then why do you sing Maya Vinashaka then that should be stopped see it depends on the level of evolution where we are growing how we are and it's like uh, what you are taught in primary school you may be told to discard it completely in secondary school. Sure. Doesn't mean you don't learn it in primary school. See, Swami says Maya is the mother. The episode that came to my mind was that of Ramakrishna Paramahamsa. His mother was everything. But it was Ramakrishna Paramahamsa himself, under the guidance of Totapuri, who severed the neck of that very mother whom he held dear and saw her in everything. Such a mother's neck he severed with the sword of Jnana as he writes it. So, Maya Vinashaka definitely holds good at some level or the other. And our bhajans are meant to cater for all levels of evolution. Literally, people who are from the primary school to the higher uh, learning institutes and even figuratively to those of us who are in the primary school of spirituality to those of us who are in the higher learning of spirituality. So, as Swami says in one another discourse, which I was reading recently, I don't remember the uh, year and date, but in that Swami says, don't pit one statement that Swami said in one discourse <laughs> with another statement he made in another discourse. Because this is being served to people of all ages, all mindsets, all stages of evolution. And therefore, everything is true. And you will realize that once you reach the ultimate. Till then, don't criticize the other. Just follow what path your heart latches on to. And so therefore, though Maya Vinashaka... In fact, you know, in the Jnanavaini, Swami makes this point. Very mm. beautiful, of course. It's for those who are probably following the path of Jnana because Swami explains in detail about the different stages of ignorance and what is the role of Maya, what is the role of wisdom. In that, Swami makes this very beautiful point. He says, Maya is the mother because only when there is Maya, there can be a birth of wisdom. Mm. Because if you remove Maya, there is no birth. It's always there. You know, wisdom is always there. Wisdom is born only when there is Maya. So Swami says, so Maya is the mother of wisdom. The first thing which it does is, it performs a matricide, Swami says. The first thing wisdom does is, it kills its own mother. Because wisdom cannot live if the mother is not vanquished. 
सो दो माया इज द मदर विजडम इज बॉन्ड टू डू मैट्रिसाइड बॉन्ड टू किल दैट मदर विच इज गिवन बर्थ टू इट सो इन दैट इन दैट लाइक रामकृष्ण परमंद स्टोरी इज ब्यूटिफुलफेक्ट देर एंड इट ऑल्सो एक्सप्लेन्स वाई यू हैव टू सिंग वाई वेन आशिका ऑल्सो बिकॉज इट्स द विजडम विच इज बॉन्ड फ्रॉम दिस मदर माया विच हैज टू इन द एंड बी द किलर ऑफ दिस माया टू with respect to the ramayana itself i remember another example that swami gave in a discourse this is something that i heard as a student mm-hmm. live to swami so i don't remember again the discourse which discourse it is but swami said that you know in the jungle when rama lakshman and sita used to walk uh, rama would be leading the way mm-hmm. and uh, behind him would be sita behind sita would be lakshmana bringing up the vanguard rear okay, guard right so sita is protected safely between the two brothers that was the practical reason why they march like that so rama is leading the way and lakshmana is behind so swami would say that rama is the supreme lord mother sita is maya and lakshmana symbolizes the individual so swami used to say that as they would walk lakshmana because he he has done all this for the sake of rama he has left the whole kingdom and come only for rama's sake but sita too has done that all for the sake of rama so in that sense lakshmana and sita are united in their love for rama so swami said in the discourse that once in a while lakshmana would feel like seeing his brother so he would humbly pray to mother sita and say mother could you just step aside for a moment so that i can have a look at my lord rama mm-hmm. and when sita would step aside from the line lakshmana could see rama and swami said that that is how we have to treat maya very humbly and with love we have to pray to the mother and request her mother can you please step aside so that i am able to see my lord in his full form and then the mother will accept your request and move because the mother is also there because she is following rama and so that is what agastya does here you know he prays and he says lord it is your sport it is your leela to elevate your servant and you know those who serve you to the highest and to yourself slide to the background you know mm-hmm. god always does that he knows everything but acts as if he knows nothing man knows nothing but he acts as if he knows everything and the lord enjoys that sport that leela where that's also maya when he says you know where the lord praises the devotee and puts himself down so here agastya just like lakshmana prayed to maya he is beseeching that aspect of rama and he says rama i know you do this my only prayer is don't do that with me please i will agree to your wishes i will do as you say but please 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 don't elevate me don't inveigle me into your maya <laughs> just keep me away from maya let me be able to see you in all your splendor always so that is agastya's prayer which rama grants after he grants that wish that is when agastya directs rama and he says rama whenever you have come it has come for the uplift and it has been for the uplift of people it has been for the uplift of things it has been for uplift of everything because your feet your hands are redeeming here is something that requires urgent and desperate redemption which is the dandakaranya forest it is such a cursed place and you know when god says when swami says if you need me you deserve me in that sense the most needy of all places is this dandakaranya forest rama actually you know in that sense it is the worst possible place as we shall see later on but the worst possible place is what requires the lord's grace the most and that is why agastya directs rama and he says rama i will be grateful if you move into the dandakaranya forest and make that your home that is where he directs rama to in the moment uh, agastya mentions about the place being cursed then lord rama says that you know uh, 
we are very eager to know. He says, that's the other part of Swami's narrative. At no point he actually gives away Rama. Hmm. <laughs> you know, even here he doesn't say that I would like to know what is the story of, what you it? know, the, the curse and, and the story behind it. He says, you know, Sita is very curious to know. <laughs> <laughs> Because after all, he is the all-knowing one. So, you know, he tells Sage Agastya, Sita is very curious to know about the curse and, you know, how it came about and what's, what is the story behind it. And that is when uh, Sage Agastya narrates that that particular... He actually starts the narration mm-hmm. by addressing Rama as, Oh, director of the eternal play. <laughs> it's like a director asking an actor for the story of the movie. Okay. Just to see whether he's got the grasp of the <laughs> script, maybe. Mm. And, you know, that's when Agastya describes that at one point there was a famine in this whole region. I think by the time this forest has been called Dandakaranya, or I don't know which episode comes, two episodes are narrated, mm. which chronologically which episode comes. It appears as if uh, this is the first. This is the first. Uh-huh. All right. So he says that this is the forest which has been, which is. It was called Panchavati right. then. Right. Which is a home for a lot of these renunciants who have set up the ashrams and were living there. Mm-hmm. And there is a famine which comes in that whole place where, by which everybody suffers. Then it is sage Gautama. We spoke of Gautama in uh, the episode of Ahalya happens in, in sage Gautama's ashram. Mm-hmm. So it is sage Gautama who hosts the entire, the ascetics of the entire region. They all come and stay in the ashram of Gautama and through his yogic powers he actually provides for all of them. Mm-hmm. Throughout this famine, Till the famine lasts and uh, after the famine recedes, they all take their own ashrams and they go back. But it is during this period, there are also, Swami says, some pseudo-monks. You know, mm. some people who are pretending to be monks. I think even the Treta Yuga always <laughs> had mm. this problem. So, there were these people and... Uh, they are there in every Yuga. Right. Wherever there are true monks, there will be pseudo-monks. <laughs> I'm reminded, you know, there's this song which Swami had composed. Mm. I don't know exactly how it begins, but there, there is this line where Donga Sanyasulaku Dhura I think Jagamal and Edi So, you know, after many, many years, students were singing this song in front of Swami. And so they thought, you know, this is a little too harsh because sometimes, depending on the audience, Swami actually changes this line when he sings. Mm. Sometimes instead of saying Donga Sanyasulaku, Swami says a little more... Uh, parliamentary word, word <laughs> is used, I guess. Okay, by the way, Donga Sanyasi means, uh, Donga means, Donga means, uh, ro- uh, thief actually. Thief, so actually fake, fake ah, this one. Fake so I think they had used that milder version of that song. And when they sang that in front of Swami, Swami stopped them and Swami said, hey, I wrote Donga Sanyasulaku, right? <laughs> Sing that. And in that sense, you know, there's always this Donga Sanyasulu and in this episode, Apparently, there were these guys who actually wanted to try their uh, wit on Sage Gautama. So, what they do is they bring a very, very malnourished cow, which is very aged and about to die any moment. They bring it and they let it loose in the garden of Sage Gautama. Mm. And uh, when this cow is about to eat one of the flower-bearing shrubs over there, and it's about to eat that flower, Sage Gautama comes running and tries to shoo away the cow. And when he just mildly pushes this cow... He just falls dead. We are so old already. Right. So it becomes gohatya, which is supposed to be a crime of the highest order. To kill a cow is not supposed to be acceptable. Especially a Brahmin killing a cow is a curse. Uh, even if we think of, you know, this thing of gohatya, you may consider what is so special about a cow, but it is on the cow's milk that the entire, you know, human species survives on. The mother's breast milk is discontinued after a few months. So in that way, 
the cow therefore is given the position of a mother because she is almost like a foster mother fostering the babies of all the humans around the world so therefore it is not without reason that the cow is given the status of a mother and therefore killing a cow is almost like killing your mother because here is somebody who has nourished you ensured that you received all the nutrients for your growth and that is the reason why gohatya is considered as a crime equal to killing your mother someone may the so called pseudo scientific attitude may say that a cow's life is equal as any other animal's life so how is it so special yes any animal's hatya is bad but a gohatya is particularly bad because while other animals are just animals here is an animal that is helping you so much along with the sin of killing you are incurring the sin of severe ingratitude that is why gohatya becomes a terrible sin true and so that is a predicament sage gautama is in so immediately he starts meditating and i think uh, as a form of repentance maybe but that is when when he starts meditating he, he starts going into the facts of the matter and he realizes that you know this has been a setup they tried to trap him and uh, he curses that this region be barren and you know not be he right? gets very upset that these pseudo monks have tried to play such a mean cruel trick on him and uh, again you know what they have done is equal to like a gohatya because here the person who has sheltered you in right. times of famine and you are playing such a cruel trick on him and therefore he says that this is possible by only lowly minds and people of a mean intellect and therefore this region will be infested with only such people people of low intellect and those who are mean minded and that is why the thing becomes a region a panchavati which was a place for hermits becomes a place for all low minded ogres demons mm-hmm. yakshas rakshasas and you know prema is seeing geographically chitrakuta in india chitrakuta comes somewhere near uttar pradesh mm-hmm. and panchavati the ashram where rama ultimately settles after crossing through the dandakaranya forest is somewhere near nagpur <laughs> in maharashtra so the dandakaranya forest stretched entirely from maharashtra to uttar pradesh entirely across the state which is now known as madhya pradesh the largest state in the indian country so it's almost 400 to 500 kilometers across so while narrating the story it is said that rama went to the dandakaranya forest and set up an ashram at panchavati we also have to keep in mind that this is a huge journey walking across 500 kilometers is more than ayodhya to chitrakuta chitrakuta i think swami has given so much emphasis for that journey because it was bharata and there were so many lessons to be learnt while here rama is just walking across dandakaranya so almost twice the journey it is done i just thought that this should be mentioned in order to give a perspective on uh, how big the dandakaranya forest is of course there is another incident also which sage agastya narrates he is uh, as a story of dandakaranya he says that there was a ruler Mm-hmm. whose name was danda and uh, this danda happened to violate the chastity of the daughter of his own preceptor bhrugu again another severe crime so this region looks to be accursed because severe crime seem to be happening here and because he did that bhrugu gets very upset at, at this pathetic state at this pathetic story that his daughter relates and in the extremity of his anger he just says that this entire region should be overwhelmed with dust and dirt and that is how it becomes dusty dirty filled with all thorny creepers bushes and becomes an actual forest scrubland that's why it's called dandaka aranya 
you know aranya means forest and danda is the The ruler, ruler of that realm. and uh, that ruler you know becomes repentant when he seeks forgiveness that is when he says that rama the crest jewel of the ragu dynasty will come this way he is the incarnation of the lord and once the lord touches dandakaranya will no longer be dandakaranya it will again become a beautiful region again another message that is given here is the worst of places the worst of situations becomes beautiful by the touch of the lord the touch of the lord not only confers samadhi and bliss like it did to uh, kishor sir or it did to sutikshana sutikshana it also can transform thorny path it can transform cruel hearts as swami says this avatar has not come to destroy enemies it has come to destroy enmity it has not come to destroy the people who are hateful but it has come to destroy the hatred that is what the lord's grace does and that was the other story that is mentioned and these two stories with their combined effect create the dandakaranya forest which rama agrees out of his love and compassion that i shall dwell in this forest and set up my ashram here it is actually crossing this dandakaranya later on that he arrives near this panchavati where he sets up the panchavati ashram and the beauty is as you said you know it's coming right across the indian subcontinent from the eastern side to the western side and when you look at it I mean where would have all these people sages and saints and even other mortals would have got an opportunity to relate to lord rama if he was just the prince of ayodhya who always ruled only from ayodhya now you see the master plan when when you see this thing right across the subcontinent and then you would see that he goes down to kishkintha to the tip of the you know the peninsula really it was like swami traveling to every village you know wherever he went to wherever swami went to, now you think of it Here was Rama who was taking a varnavasa, who was going. But you know, imagine that in those days, in the 60s, 50s, when Swami would travel to some of these villages, what facilities would have been there to host mm. Swami? You know, now you have the best of facilities. You know, you have people who have a beautifully furnished house. You have the best of toilets. You have the best of bedrooms. In the 60s, 70s, when Swami traveled, what facilities would have been there? You know, what offering would have been there for Swami to stay? And if you read some of these, I think there's that phenomenal book where. they have chronicled swami's travel over the years now you would see that morning swami is giving a discourse evening swami is giving a discourse in a village 100 miles away then again the next morning is in some other village and all these are small towns and villages they are not cities i think even parts of satyam shyam sundaram part 4 right reveal this kind of intense and immense travel that swami did absolutely and really you know swami was going out and reaching i mean he chose a place which was so very remote but at the same time he really did travel go to all of these places the only difference being the rama avatar was in the northern part of india and it traveled all the way south sai avatar was in southern part of india and traveled all the way north right that is why i think even in sai blossom we have this product called love flows, flows north, north. <laughs> in the 1973 trip it's amazing those of you who have missed the video have missed something in your life purchase that dvd look at it it's amazing I think you know uh, before we conclude today's satsang on the Ramkatha Rasavaini maybe we can just make a mention of how the first thing that happens when Rama enters the Dandakaranya forest after bidding farewell to Sage Agastya is the meeting with the eagle chief Jatayu right the eagle chief was a great friend of Dasharatha Rama's father and he had accompanied him on many special expeditions you know uh, when Dasharatha had to fight the rakshasa hordes in heavens that is when jatayu had come to help and they were the thickest of friends and jatayu is unaware of the fact 
that dasharatha has passed away it is rama who tells this and jatayu breaks down in sorrow at the loss of his dear friend once again at this point you know it it again brings back awe when jatayu has not heard about the death of his dear friend dasharatha how is it possible that sutikshna has heard and seen <laughs> and visualized rama the other way of stating it would be possibly sutikshna's intimacy with rama is much much more than jatayu's intimacy with dasharatha that's why the lord is the closest and the most intimate of friends that is what happens so they set up a camp for the first night after en- entering dandakaranya at a spot that is selected by jatayu they set up a small hut there and they begin to reside there this is the beginning of their journey through the dandakaranya forest and i'm sure 500 kilometers to panchwati it would have taken at least a few years i think <laughs> definitely <laughs> few years of the exile might right. have got over in this because swami is really run through the whole thing as you said the the distance between ayodhya and uh, chitrakuta chitrakuta and panchwati no ayodhya chitrakuta that journey was described so intensely uh-huh. by swami but Correct. Uh, I think Swami has just skipped the details in the Dandakarnia forest. <laughs> exactly. If you see the end of the chapter, the last line is states about how they set up a hut where Jatayu suggests, and the first line of the next chapter is about setting up the hut at Panchavati. So by the time you shut this chapter and start the next chapter, they have traversed the 500 kilometers. <laughs> True. And uh, I think in the next week we'll continue with what happens in Panchavati. where the three of them are going to stay for the rest of the exile or that's what is the plan as of now so if we think of the story as a story which we don't know which is unfolding right so we have nothing no idea of what is going to happen in panchavati so dear listeners that brings us to the end of this week's afternoon satsang it was indeed a pleasure for all of us because it is not just the story of rama that we go through it really how much ever we try to put ourselves down it triggers so many memories of swami and I think that's the best part of it that's the best part I think the last time when we had a Ramakatha Swami series one of our listeners spontaneously wrote to us at the end of the satsang he said this is why satsang is special it's mm-hmm. not just because of ramakatha because we really listen so much about our swami and it is indeed our pleasure to share these stories to even as they come to our mind dear listeners most of the time the, it is definitely not part of our scheme and our script but it is really swami's blessing on all of us that he triggers these memories in us because it only helps us to think of him more we offer our gratitude to swami and to hanuman for their presence inspiring presence elevating presence their presence which makes everything happen with that we will conclude with this particular song thank you jai sai ram
You just heard an episode of our radio program Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 4th June 2015. Dear listener, We hope you like this program. As always, you can send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. You could also WhatsApp us your feedback to this number nine three nine three two five eight two five eight. Thank you and Sai Ram. <laughs>